Well, it's Thanksgiving once again, and on last Thanksgiving, I didn't think I'd be here this Thanksgiving. So God has his ways, doesn't he? But uh, I'm grateful to be with you this morning, grateful for God's mercy in my life. Some of you will be, no doubt, feasting, as I too will be later today, and um, There was a waitress in a restaurant, and she said to those who were coming in for their special meal, she says, we've got practically everything on the menu. And the diner said, so I see. Can you bring me a clean menu, please? One more that's just about as bad. On a wharf in San Francisco, this man walked into the restaurant and asked, Do you serve crabs? The waitress quickly said, Sure, we serve anybody. Sit down. (laughs) Many of us think differently about Thanksgiving, I think, and my intention today is to draw your focus to a rather specific place. But because some of us don't have gardens and don't have crops and, you know, don't have things that are sort of finishing up this time of year, which is one of the traditional understandings of Thanksgiving. I know there are some rooftop gardens, maybe where you live, and maybe you've managed over the last little bit to make something happen that way. And I know there are some of you, of course, who do live in places where you have a backyard and a garden and, and you celebrate that today. So for many, harvest is very positive and fruits of labor are clearly evident. But for others, harvest is really not plentiful. Maybe not at all. For some, even this morning, uh, are not celebrating bounty of any kind, but are hurting from experiencing loss. But mostly today, it'll be a time of getting together. And our family, uh, Judy's not here, our family's gathering in central Alberta for Thanksgiving today. And uh, later this afternoon, they'll all be, most of them will be together there. And we're we're grateful for that. And I'll get there sometime tonight. And so we'll spend our Thanksgiving together as well. Historically, the history of Canadian Thanksgiving is varied. And you can look stuff up, as I want to do from time to time. Our thanks, is really our Thanksgiving just an American festival light? Is it really patterned on American Thanksgiving? Not necessarily at all. In 1879, in Canada, the celebration began. But the date or the time of year, in the, fall, the, the time it celebrated in the fall varied from 1879 well on until 1957. And some of you will remember that in 1957, uh, it was decided that Thanksgiving in Canada would fall on the second Monday of October. But earlier than even that, Martin Frobisher, in 1578, probably celebrated one of the first opportunities of Thanksgiving, and it had nothing to do with harvest. According to some historians... The first celebration of Thanksgiving in North America occurred then, in 1578, 
on a voyage that Martin Frobisher had made from England to Canada and to the north in search of the Northwest Passage. It was his third voyage to the Frobisher Bay Area, which we now call the Frobisher Bay Area in Baffin Island, in the present Canadian territories of Nunavut. And he set out with the intention of starting a small settlement there. His fleet of 15 ships was outfitted with men, materials, provisions. However, the loss of one of his ships through contact with the ice, along with many of the building materials that they had, was to prevent him from building that settlement. The expedition was plagued by ice and freak storms, which at times scattered the fleet. On meeting again at their anchorage in Frobisher Bay, a gentleman named Meister Wofall, a learned man appointed by Her Majesty's Council to be their minister and their preacher, for the expedition, made unto them a godly sermon, exhorting them especially to be thankful to God for their strange and miraculous deliverance in those dangerous places, end of quote. They celebrated communion, and, quote, the, the celebration of divine mystery was the first sign, scale, and confirmation of Christ's name, death, and passion ever known in these quarters end of quote, in 1578. And today we also worship that same God in the midst of loss and gain. We worship the one who cares for us, whatever we're feeling today. And he wants to be our encouragement and the receiver of praise. It's thanksgiving again. In the text that was read for us this morning from Galatians, Paul referred to the God of Abraham in part because of Abraham's faithfulness. Abraham's faithfulness came as a result of his understanding of God. To be truly thankful, then, we need a perspective that God is in control. He gives his spirit to us, and we have his spirit now, and he works miracles in our midst because, as he writes, because of what we have heard and believed. So the perspective of Paul writing to the Galatians this morning reminds me of two thoughts today. First of all, when we have a poor harvest, we believe that there will be a better harvest sometime. We hang on to the idea that things will get better. We cherish the idea this Thanksgiving as believers, that although things are tough, they'll get better. Although we've had some difficult time as a congregation over many months, things will get better. I sat this summer with our leadership team, having been working with them now for uh, about a year. And as I sat with the leadership team this summer and as they sat and looked at our fall program and looked at what's going on at Ebenezer, I saw a, an enthusiasm, an excitement, 
an attitude that I'll volunteer for this, I'll do this, I'll do that, that I had not seen as I've been among you for these many months. When we have a poor harvest, we believe that there'll be a better harvest in time. And that's been my experience as well, living on the prairies so many years that I did and pastoring amongst those who depend for their livelihood on a harvest every year. Year after year, and I would listen to the stories of how some years were better than others and how when it was really tough, next year would be better. It was an attitude that was ingrained in their lives through generations. They keep putting the crop in again every spring, no matter what happened in the fall. Things will get better. Because there's a seed time and a harvest, and it's all part of God's domain. It's all part of God's creation. He is active, and he does not set the world up and then leave it to function on its own. God's in control, and Abraham knew that. Our church ancestors knew that. Those who began this congregation understood that God is in control. And so we express thanksgiving again this morning because we know it and we're reminded of it through the text. Our heart remains hard sometimes when answer prayers don't come. You and I have sensed it when there's been years of when, Lord, when? When will that young person, that child, turn back? When will that parent come to me and offer an apology? But in time, God, in his wisdom, brings people to their knees. Second Timothy 3, 2, Paul writes to the young man and says, In the last days, people will be ungrateful. In the last days, he warns us because of our nature, because of people's nature, in the last days, people will be ungrateful. I further want you to think about Abraham briefly with me. It was he who saw God's promises. Much of Paul's letter depends upon an understanding of what God was doing with Abraham. Briefly, the story is he traveled from his homeland being led by God's Spirit to a promised land, a place that God said he would have, a people that would be descendants of him, and that they, that is through Abraham, would be a blessing to others. Abraham, eventually, because of your faithfulness, your people will be a blessing to others. And it's in that context, of course, that Paul writes to the Galatians. Briefly, what's happening as we understand Galatians is that this new church that's got uh, Hebrews and Gentiles, Jews and Gentiles within it, who are believers. So it's a functioning body of believers, but two groups. So often, isn't that the case? Opposing groups, even in the life of the church. Two groups. And Paul writes to the Galatians because what has happened is a group of religious teachers, Hebrew religious teachers, have showed up in Galatia and said, listen, there's more to the gospel than Paul has said. There's more to the gospel. You've got to still remain Hebrew. You've still got to do the things of the Hebrew faith. 
the tension mounts and the church is upset. And Paul writes his letter. And he does so around the subject of Abraham, who is the father of the Hebrews. So this morning, who is the true seed of Abraham? Centuries later, in the context of what he writes to Galatians, who is the true seed for you this morning of Abraham? While Jews and Abrahams fight over land and power in the Middle East, even today, even this Thanksgiving, who has power to make a difference in our world? The church. God, in his wisdom, has suggested through his word and through Jesus that the church, you and me, are able to bring a clear answer to this world today. The world awaits to see if God is real. Our neighbors await to see if God is real. And you and I, by God's grace and by Jesus' blood, his resurrection from the dead, have been unleashed to this world as the church to bring that particular clarity. The first five verses of Galatians chapter 3 ask four rhetorical questions. In other words, they're not answered. And yet there is only one answer. Four Rhetorical questions which end with a response which isn't given that they need to be reminded as Galatians that their faith is based on grace and not the law. That's the tension as these teachers had come. You've got to go back to follow the law. And grace is second. And the answer to these four rhetorical questions is that always law comes to challenge grace throughout church history. So for our thanksgiving, for what we are most grateful as a worshiping church today is God's grace. Grace that outstrips the law. Grace that makes the law, in a sense, not relevant. And you and I this morning walk by God's grace in the Spirit, even as Paul, as he wrote to the Galatians. Are there evidences that he listed part of our regular church walk? Is our belief this morning, as we reflect on it, based upon the work of Christ alone and not on the actions of some family member or some parent? This morning, as we celebrate Thanksgiving, are we trusting in Jesus alone for our salvation, for life? Thanksgiving, then, is a general time to give thanks for the overall picture of the blessings in our world, in our nation. It's an attitude. Thanksgiving is an attitude. And you and I can choose which one it is. Dr. Soper, in his book, God is Inescapable, suggests that basically the difference between a prison and a monastery, the difference between a prison and a monastery, is just the difference between griping and gratitude. Undoubtedly, this is true. Imprisoned criminals spend their time every waking moment griping. Self-imprisoned saints spend their every waking moment offering thanks. And so Dr. Soper writes that when a criminal becomes a saint, a person in prison may become a monastery. When a saint gives up gratitude, 
a monastery may become a prison. Secondly, this morning, besides the fact that with thanksgiving eventually a harvest will come through your walk with Jesus, secondly, this morning, while regular seed time and harvest is occurring, another harvest is going on at the same time. Another harvest is going on at the same time. It's a very important harvest, and it's ongoing here, even at Ebenezer. Because you will be a blessing to the nations. The Hebrews would be. Abraham's descendants would be. That was the prediction. But what happened, as you know, briefly in history, is that Abraham's descendants failed to make sure that the world knew who God was. Now, God knew by his grace that they'd fail. And so he sent Jesus on purpose to redeem Israel and to redeem you and I. He knew it would fail, but that was the plan. Israel's plan through Abraham was, tell the world who I am. The father challenged him. It didn't work. But what we understand is that through the work of Christ on the cross, the challenge was reinstated. It was renegotiated, if you like. It was remade to the church today. So that's the other theme in Galatians. Galatians is not a one-themed letter. Galatians is not a, is, is a, is not a Jewish-friendly letter. God will be with us. Jesus will leave his comforter, the Holy Spirit, with us, that this harvest will be going on in spite of the odds. The byproduct of God's presence in our lives, which we have been taught and received, is our worship and praise this morning. Part of the result of that pledge of the Spirit to work through us is it gives us the chance to worship to praise here in East Vancouver, here a living witness of the active church today, the active church of Jesus Christ today. And in Genesis, he writes in three different passages through the Holy Spirit, all nations will be blessed through you. But that promise was only kept because God knew that through Abraham and through Israel, Jesus would come. The church continues to remind the world that there is a God who reigns. The unbelieving community can still come to worship. Some of you may be gathered with us this morning. When grieving, when lost, or experiencing friendlessness, the church is there to relate to people, workmates, classmates, schoolmates, fellow teachers, fellow employees, to say, I understand your loss. I understand your grief. I understand you don't have a friend. Can I help? Can I buy you a coffee? Can I be there with you? For the church is here. And so part of our task on this Thanksgiving is to keep God's presence alive and well in East Vancouver. That's the blessing that comes to the church and through the church. Today we reflect the image of God on earth. Don't let that frighten you. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit, in effect, reflects through us to the world. It's not a human thing, it's a spiritual thing. 
But you and I represent God where we live and where we work. And the and without pressure, but by His grace, the world sees God's love through you and me. The world sees God's consistency by the life you live and the stories you tell and the faith you express. God sees, or the world sees recognition of forgiveness when you tell your story to your friend how you experience forgiveness in your own life or maybe in your marriage or with one of your children. And they marvel that you can have forgiveness in a given situation. And you and I give, well, it's because of God's love through Jesus Christ in my life. When the world sees reconciliation in the church, it sees reconciliation is possible. That's what was intended by initially giving the seed of Abraham in the first place. That the world would know God, that the world would see the Father. And so this morning, as you and I are here, we're here to encourage each other. We're here to celebrate together. We spend a brief time together in the week and in some of our weekly activities, but we celebrate Thanksgiving again because Jesus is alive and well in your life. And our community can see it. And we celebrate Thanksgiving again. Sure, we celebrate because of what we've received in terms of the worldly things and the harvest. And maybe you're thinking of that particular supper or lunch today. And you're grateful for it, yes. And you'll say grace as I will. But in the end, Thanksgiving for you and me is celebrated because of what Christ has done for us. And we've got a story to tell to the nations, a story of truth and light. 